Hey everyone, thanks for clicking on the show. Hi, I'm Jackie. I'm Anna. And this is Assorted Perspective, a podcast about materiality. What is materiality? Materiality, Anna. You, you're you asking me like you don't know. <laughs> and I feel like you know, so you should just share with the class. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> this is such a cop-out. <laughs> I don't know the definition of materiality. Uh, I don't think there is one, because materiality is like an adjective about material. And so... I, I took a design anthropology class last semester, and I constantly was asking myself during this unit, like, oh, so materiality is, like, the quality we seek out in material? Question mark? I was no. like, maybe. That's not it, Anna. I think, okay, I think it was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> you would know. I just said well, I don't know what that... <laughs> or material is, like, something that people make, and it's, like, given life through human design. Because, like, the origin of material is matter, and um, matter comes from, like, mother. So mothers give birth to things. We give birth to the things we create. So there's the material is from the matter, and the materiality is the qualities we seek from that material, I think. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, isn't that we're all our own moms when we're artists, I think? Yeah, I feel like my own mom all the time. Yeah. In, in, like, the sense of, like, I'm becoming my, my mother. <laughs> do you have any, because you went to art school, do you have any, like, special projects you feel like that you showed any kind of real, like, quality that you brought out and you were able to master some quality that you were able to infuse into the materials you were working with? Mastery is such a, like, you can't proclaim yourself as a master of anything, you know? Oh, okay. Just, it just doesn't sit right. Oh, okay. That so you'd sense. have to tell me if I was a master of something. I guess, did you have a strong emotional response to what you were able to, like, create, infuse emotion with mm. then in any Anger, projects? Frustration, sadness. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, it's, it's really challenging to create things very often. So in art school, the program that I went to, we had specialties. And so each year of school, you have like a certain level that you take the class at right whatever so like you're building all this knowledge and so the structure of the class is really really similar semester to semester you just make different things and there's different prompts and things like that but once you get to like this turning point then all of your prompts and all of your work is self-directed and you're just required to like the make this stuff so let me get a little bit more specific uh the first like maybe three semesters it, we were given a prompt for each assignment so one of them would be like noise and you had to make an art piece about noise it was due on a certain date and then it had to fit into certain parameters we did another one about baskets and it had to be like larger than 12 by 12 by 12 inches you know things like that and then you get into the more self-directed stuff and it's like okay it needs to be a series of three to five pieces go 
and you it gets like really, really open-ended. So that was a lot of explanation to say that one assignment that I had early on was noise and like I had an idea for it right away. The teacher said the prompt and I was like, I know what I'm making and I made it and um, it communicated exactly what it was meant to, but I didn't know what that was until I saw it. That's interesting. Wait, so what was this noise project? Um, a lot of people made, well, okay, so we were introduced to like other artists who whose work can be placed under that category of noise. So there was an active, a social activist artist who made rattles, and they were protest rattles. And I love that. <laughs> they're really cool, and you should look it up. We'll drop a drop a link or something. I have I have my notes on like the artists and all that stuff in like my sketchbooks. So I'd have to like dig through to find the name. And then there was some like other. Oh, so like the we well we would do like a technical. Uh, assignment and then we would do like our like actual assignment so the technical assignment was just to like teach you a new skill and then you did your assignment to like make a piece that was expressive of like the prompt or whatever so the technical was a whistle and so we made like whistles and like people were inspired by rattles and things like that and then we were like sent off to our own devices to make work and my piece was about noise in the sense of that it was about noise because of the absence of noise and so I made this like horn bell like think about the end of a trumpet mm-hmm. and a mouthpiece that like went through a pillow. And so like if you spoke into the mouthpiece or like you like made any sort of noise into the mouthpiece, the idea was that the pillow muffled the sound and it was like clearly an instrument to be like it was it was representative of an instrument, but the relationship it had to noise was that it was the absence of noise. I feel like that has a lot to unpack. Just like the fact that you were like going the opposite way of what people were doing yeah and then also like things if they does something doesn't exist does it have materiality like the lack of noise that's kind of that made me think about that in the context of this podcast well that's where it's interesting because it's an it's a material object referencing the lack of noise interesting oh so you gave something that doesn't have materiality materiality yeah that's cool yeah dang that's deep. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like as an artist, I'm not actually deep. I'm just really confused. <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? It's a, because on the outside, for someone who doesn't under, who can't hear what you're thinking, it would look the same, right? Like people who are lost and people who are deep and people who are confused are all, you know, presenting sometimes in the same way. Yeah, I think that's like a theme throughout all of my artwork because when I went on to do my thesis uh, like having a limited view of it just hit me like so much deeper than I was expecting just now as I started saying this but like having a limited view of the subject matter was very important to the aesthetic of my thesis and so like I think that like I've whoa (laughs) I'm, I'm like having like all these realizations that are like kind of things that I've already known but also like I feel like I'm rediscovering for the first time. Is that a uh, part of art? Because you mentioned that earlier with your class project with the pillow and the trumpet thing. Yeah. It's, um, you were like, I had, I knew that once I made it, it would realize into the what I wanted. Yeah, like the, sometimes I have a very distinct image of like what it is. Like I have a vision, yeah. whatever, like um, of exactly what it looks like. So you say noise and like my association was crystal clear to me. And then I created that into like reality to realize that like, 
it was maybe representative of the fact that I wasn't very comfortable with like using my voice, you know? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Materiality is able to form something in a tangible way in order to be interpreted. Yeah. So before, if you weren't able to like enunciate or like just bring into words what needed to be said, you can express it through a material object. Mm-hmm. Is that what art is? <laughs> I don't know. Art is so many things, and I don't feel like that's what we're here for. So let's just <laughs> let's just keep going. <laughs> Walk to the next item. What's the list. meaning of life? I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well, Anna. So the meaning of life starts with. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had an answer for you. I think I want to quote Dune here, and it's like. There's no mystery of life. It's an experience to be had. Yeah. Can we talk about Dune, though? I liked and also hated that book. I didn't like how he talked to his mom, but I did like the whole, like, life is an experience to be had. But that's something you read in, like, the second chapter. So you don't have to get super into the book to get that. Yeah, I like Dune less every chapter that I read. (laughs) Dude, and they split the movie in half, and I'm like, that's actually a good idea. It was a really good idea because in the book it was, like, a really clear, like, uh, time jump mm. and so they did the split like right at the time jump oh I never yeah. I don't think I ever finished that book because it's exactly it's like it's like reverse cake you eat the first couple of bites and you're like I'm satisfied you're not trying to go back for more you're like yeah, yeah. it's not a it's it's like it's like you're putting ugh. the cake more cake back each bite you get and you're like yeah that's just less and less satisfying I mean I'm I feel like I'm pretty comfortable at this point calling myself like some level of feminist and that book is not feminist at all. I really did not like the way it treated women. That's my problem with sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi allows us to explore a alternate reality, but most people use it as a way to write about men with guns, like, conquering other planets, which is, like, colonialism. But you're like, sci-fi should be about exploring, like, gender identity. And, like, you know, it can't. it could be an avenue for so much more than just conquering things. Yeah, it's like, sci-fi like is just, like, a fantasy setting for, like, things that have already happened in the world. And I'm like, do we need to think about it again in this imagined universe when we could be imagining anything? Like, one of the things, one of the, one, of, one piece of fiction that I found really, really successful was Schitt's Creek. Um, <laughs> I know, right? It's my favorite sci-fi. <laughs> it's my favorite sci-fi. No, it's my, it's one of my favorite, like, works of fiction because it imagined a world that was so close to like our reality and instead of like trying to confront issues that we face it just imagined what would the world be like without those issues being issues at all um i never finished Shit's creek but i from what i remember it's about this rich family that lost all their money and then moved into like a motel that they bought as a joke yeah. And so, wait, so what are they pretending? Everyone in the town, it's a small town okay, in, yeah. in the U.S., and everyone in the town is extremely accepting of queer um, identifying people. And, like, it's not an issue in any sort of way. Oh, and that's why it's fiction. Well, it's fiction because it's fiction. No, I meant, like, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's that's specifically what I was talking about. Instead of, like, having an episode or anything like that where, like, characters who identify as, like, non-binary or queer or like any sort of like um outlying gender sexuality instead of having to like confront it like with the townspeople it just was never an issue oh so they imagined a place where where everyone was really accepting of people and their identities any kind of medium like that that storytelling has a aspect of materiality in it because it's like we're choosing the qualities we want to seek out in real life Mm -hmm. And so when you're trying to 
create a story and it doesn't have to be a real material thing but like the materiality of the story is the idealization of what you want to see can you say that again that was kind of dense for me to like oh yeah so you choose the qualities you want to bring out if you're trying to make like a mug and you want it to be shiny you choose something that would bring out that quality that you want in it I think Peter Pan was like this like the J.M. Barry wrote this book because his brother died and he imagined a world where his brother didn't die. So you're imagining the qualities of life that you want to bring out the most. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of like what materiality is. It shows us what we value in society and like what individuals value in like their work too. And this is, this is actually, that brought up something that I really appreciate about books and movies, like any sort of like storytelling is that you can, and especially when it takes place like in a world of fantasy or fiction, um, you can see the reality in it. Yeah, I, I have, the, okay, this is why I don't like medieval movies. Okay. Like I'll, I'll watch them sometimes, but I have this like moral quandary about it because like typically you, like uh, I hear a lot of people are bothered by diverse casts in um, medieval movies, even if they're fantasy because they're like, well, there's no black people in this castle land, this fantasy castle land that's probably in England or whatever. But you're like, there's also no magic. And like, and that's then- That's actually if, a really good point. <laughs> right, and if you were to make it quote unquote historically accurate, if there was no magic in this movie, say it was like King Arthur, and you made some of the knights women, you made some of the knights queer, you made some of the knights someone from a member of the POC community, someone who may not identify 1970s normie like all white dudes that are heterosexual that would be cast and then you just did a diverse cast people are like well that's not historically accurate well I mean they all have clean teeth in medieval movies too and you're like well that's not historic that you would have lost what do you some want teeth? me to do yeah exactly and like uh, if you read anything that about Michel Foucault wrote it was actually way easier to be gay back in the medieval ages. Like we, on our nine to five episode about the work week, they actually had less restrictions on labor. And like in, in the much in the same way, if your sexuality was way easier to keep, you know, you could, you probably still hit it, but there was no, if there was no word for being gay back then, then it probably wasn't being outlawed. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, and he said that was his, one of his big, works Foucault at least was talking about history okay and like once you name something then you can outline it and like so I'm not saying that we're better off now like have your diverse cast because they were probably more accepting of things because they didn't have names for them they're like blah 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 is just weird you know Lancelot just likes to you know he enjoys the company of men every so often but I have no word for that so I'm okay with it that's so interesting. And then it made me question this thing that, like, we've talked about, like, just in life. Because um, it was, think we were thinking, I was talking about gender. Sorry, I'm like, gender. I was looking at, like, bathroom door signs and, like, people play with, like, how they depict, like, which gender bathroom it is. And oh, then it made yeah. me actually just wonder, like, when did we start doing that? Because, like, Plumbing is relatively new in the history of humanity, and, like, before, like, and, I mean, even, like, a hundred years ago, people still had outhouses. People have outhouses now, and so, like, you wouldn't gender an outhouse, would you? Like, an outhouse doesn't have a gender binary, like, you know, you're yeah. not saying, like, which one am I? Am I the chicken, or am I the hen? You're like, what? what's the difference? <laughs> yeah, right. like, Sorry, I forgot the word rooster. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, like, it's gotten kind of crazy out there with the with the bathroom signs because, like, there's... there's They're really funny. I, I, I actually, I reject the gender binary in America, but I also think uh, bathroom signs are hilarious. They are funny. I'm a complicated person. You're a complicated person, <laughs> Anna. I was about to tell you that, but I'm glad you already knew. Or, so. like, some of them get really interesting. I'm trying to think, like, one's a fork and one's a spoon, and you're like, I don't understand. Well, there was one brats and buns or whatever and I was like actually genuinely confused and I'd been to this restaurant like two times before and I was like why I in that moment like okay this is where the confusion I think happens because I feel like sometimes I'm experiencing the world for the first time like every day when I wake up which is like a wonderful state of whimsy but then also sometimes it's extremely confusing when you forget like gender norms and like bathroom signs and stuff like that because then I'm looking at these signs and I'm like but oh, <laughs> I'm not a hot dog. Like, where do I go? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what anthropologists seek out to do. You're an anthropologist, Jackie. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Yeah, I think we all should maybe critique some how we present things sometimes because, yeah, and like the materiality of a bathroom sign, you're like, someone made a decision about this. And like, even that's if- the part that I find so ridiculous. It's like, The decisions that we make that are just, like, so impactful over the course of our lives. Oh, wow. You took the words out of my mouth, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested in things that last really long. Like, part of the reason why I'm interested in studying infrastructure in an anthropological lens. But, yeah, because we did make these decisions, and then sometimes we don't even live long enough to, like, see the fruition of what we created or what we designed in order to be created. And it's kind of crazy, like, or it's kind of wild. Or trying to think of less problematic word. It's wacky. I don't know. <laughs> Woo. I'm not trying to use ableist language here, but it's very interesting and it's exciting, but also astonishing and shocking at the same time because things that you create sometimes can affect other people's lives. And they, the thing that the material that you gave birth to has a life of its own mm-hmm. that kind of escapes you as time goes on. Once you give birth to this material object, it could be a film, it could be a design, it could, doesn't necessarily have to be something you touch, but it can, it can be something that lives on its own and has its own politics. Like J.K. Rowling is a great example of this because she is anti-trans, but her work is revered by many of the trans community and many of the queer community because they reclaimed it, you know, and it doesn't have to belong to her anymore because... Once you make something, it kind of is out on its own in the world. Yeah. Well, okay. Sorry, I just, like, went on this little, like, thought spiral about, like... Oh, share it. There's this there's this other podcast called uh, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, where it's these two ordained... Um, they have a word for it. Chaplains. Two chaplains that are breaking down Harry Potter. They're, they It has to do with, like, religious studies. But I don't fully understand it because one of them is... Christian and one of them has announced that they are atheist on the podcast but they are also like an ordained chaplain that happens a lot like I've met people who are very interested in studying the bible but Mm -hmm. through their studies they've decided to like take a step away from religion but they're still super interested in it yeah so they they use like religious practices to break down harry potter as if it were a sacred text I love that it's fascinating and so good and I highly recommend listening to it because it has like it hits like all the it's like, it's just a good vibe. It's a good place to be. And they're like, 
they talk about that on on the podcast because I feel like they kind of have to like talk about how they're a they're a feminist production company and they're like like supportive of the trans community and so they had to like talk about like J.K. Rowling and like her um, she's given birth to this thing right this material <laughs> this Harry Potter universe. And mm-hmm. then she has no control over it anymore, like, because it's it's out in the world and it belongs to everyone now. Yeah, and, like, in some ways... They didn't say it like that. That's just how I'm saying it. Yeah, in this case, I agree, because I don't really like when people are anti a marginalized group of people. Like, that can just be a lot of people. But, like, if you're actively trying to hurt a group of people and erase them, then, like, I have a problem with that. But in this case, like, I'm like, oh, I'm glad that it's something that I liked when I was growing up. And I also watch the movies occasionally Mm -hmm. is separated. But if you went the other way, like someone who is maybe you really like this person, but their stuff, it gets removed from, I don't know, its space and it gets destroyed by someone else. Like things that can be appropriated by uh, hate groups. Like I think the swastika is maybe one example because that's a... That's a really old symbol that was used in Hinduism, I think. Mm-hmm. If um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I, but it's a really old religion. And the Nazis took it. And now we have to destroy this ancient symbol of peace. And, like, and so it's like it can go either way, which is kind of interesting. Just as a note, I'm glad that we don't use the swastika anymore. Like, don't get me wrong. But also as a symbol, if you look at the history of and the materiality of it, the symbol itself, you're like, dang, why'd they have to appropriate that and, you know, be horrible Yeah. and use it as a symbol of hate? And Well, I think that's, like, a very good example of the opposite of what, like, is happening with Harry Potter right now is, like, yeah. the way that they took that and then they made the sign their own. Now it stands for something completely different. And, like, we can't get rid of the association of, like, the swastika and, like... Oh, yeah, and I don't think we should, like... There's no, why would we? Yeah, it would exactly. Be disrespectful to all the people that like lost their lives because of. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. I'm totally fine. Like, there's no way that in 40 years, if you show me the swastika after trying to like give it a good name, like, it we still call it the swastika. Like, that's its German name, and like, like there's no way that materiality can be removed. That quality that it was like mutated within itself mm-hmm. over the years can be removed anymore, and like. Which is, I'm totally morally okay with, but in itself, when if we're talking about materiality, the idea that material objects can exist outside their maker and then take on new qualities over time mm-hmm. is interesting to note, at least for this podcast, and just um, how things shift in general. Like, it kind of amazes me that, like, political parties are kind of like a symbol, but over time they can shift and, and like, it's kind of like inflation or if you're on the beach and you're in sand and you don't really notice that you're slowly drifting away from your original position. It happens all the time when you get in the water and then you like get yeah. out and you're like, oh, I'm like 20 feet away from where I was. Yeah. And like the fact that we don't often acknowledge that symbols are doing the same thing that we do on the beach is like slowly drifting away or what we do in water. We act like symbols are stagnant and that's that's just not true, especially with materiality takes on life and life can change. Life grows. And so... Yeah, so this yeah. actually gets into, like, a bigger theme for me of, like, space-time. One of the things that really, like, stayed with me with Einstein's theory of relativity was that, like, space and time are not two separate things, but one thing that we experience, like, together. 
and it is dependent on gravity. Our experience of time and place is dependent on relation to other like celestial objects, essentially. Oh, that makes sense, because if we're thinking about dimensions, you know, the first dimension's a dot, the second one's a line, the third one is 3D space, the fourth one is time. Mm -hmm. So, like, even within space, you get time. And then the fifth one is experiencing time as, like, a dot, basically. So you experience time as if it were all at once, everything everywhere, all at once kind of thing. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, bring up the movie. I love that movie. That movie is good. I really liked it. I think it kind of surprised me that the mom was the main character. I think the way it was advertised. I absolutely love that about it because, like, we don't get that often. We got so many things in that movie that are not super common. Like, the movie was about, like, a mother-daughter relationship. It was about taxes, Jackie. Okay, my bad. I missed the whole No, I'm kidding. kidding. No, I I thought the mom and the daughter were, like, co-protagonists, but it turns out it was the mom. So the way they marketed it was, like, I wasn't, I wouldn't say it was true to the story, but I don't know. I feel like Studio Ghibli is coming up with a new movie, and they're not advertising it at all. They just announced the name, and that makes me want to watch it. So maybe they should have done that for everywhere. They also have the reputation for it, though. Like, there is a, a huge following of, like, Studio Ghibli like movies, yeah. so I feel like they ha- they can do that because they already have the name established. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I actually only watched because of recommendations from a friend. Same. I had never. I didn't see the the advertisements at all. Like oh, I didn't see any of the previews. I saw the trailer, and like trailer. the daughter was in it more than you would expect for like the movie. Although that's such a slight. Like I don't know why I'm holding on to that small detail. It was a really great movie, and I think it was just like great I, I also like like to critique action movies a lot too and that one was great I think they did everything really well and even that speaks about materiality because when you're doing like multiple dimensions and like the rocks yeah had a personality and yeah. like that just makes sense like the the mom rock and the kid rock and they were both moving together because rocks move like in, on the seafloor they actually move so yeah well not sense. even just then but like like on dry land too like yeah. erosion is happening all of the time and like the um <laughs> I'm a silly little person sometimes you know but like I took a note in my phone one time and it was like can you ever really go back to the same place like Pocahontas, tall Pocahontas mode like <laughs> a river is it's the same river but you never step in the same river twice the oh, water's always so changing true. always flowing and it's the same for land it's the same for everything and sometimes like when I'm in nature, one of my favorite things to do is to imagine uh, myself experiencing the geologic time and yeah. not necessarily the human timeline. Oh, that's nice. It's super cool. It's like really grounding and it's like, it's a paradigm shift. And so it like makes everything a little bit more right-sized. Yeah, that, that feels better than human time. I think I have a similar thing that I used to like to do was thinking of things that lived outside of the fourth dimension so like kind of like the earth lives in like the fifth dimension like time is they it experiences time all at once and everything all at once I just think that's really interesting like I I don't know just something that is outside of your dimension because I I read that comic book uh, Watchmen and Dr. Manhattan lives in the fifth dimension like he experiences time all at once, all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like collapsed into one 
memory or whatever. I don't know. If you read the comic book, you would know, I guess, what I was talking about. But it's really, it was really cool because the way we view dimensions and, like, it makes me think, like, does materiality live outside any dimension? I would say it can outlast the human lived experience, but it can't outlast, like, maybe the geological Earth experience because it has its own life. Mm -hmm. But it has, like, a different life than humans because it can be like appropriated and like warped and change and grow and like die but not at the same not in a noticeable way that humans do which is interesting Hmm. yeah I'm still like having a hard time I feel like it's going to take me like some time to really grasp this idea of materiality because like it's still kind of abstract for me yeah usually materiality is like oh my god there's some lightning yeah there's a big thunderstorm out there and i love thunderstorms but i have another like shift in perspective now with thunderstorms because i used to like just really enjoy them um because i have the sense of safety like i'm usually in a building and watching Mm -hmm. through a window and now that i work in i work in art restoration and we like go and like we i guess that we just call it pack out we pack out art that has been like damaged in a fire loss and like the most recent one that we did was like a lightning had struck this house and burnt it down and so like today one says of the lightning I was like oh my god like it could totally change your life yeah this is a new job though and it's a new perspective you're getting about lightning too yeah 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 because I think you mentioned on the show before that you work in a corporate setting so you have like many hats that you wear I have so many hats so many I guess to I make it a little clearer about materiality. Usually when people talk about it, they're talking about like a certain quality. There's just, it could just be used like saying the materiality of the table is maybe referring to like the hardness of the table or the color or like what material it's made out of. Or if you're talking about the material, materiality of a shirt, you're talking about the material of the shirt or maybe like how it was manufactured, the design Okay, and so, so it is a vague term. It's super vague. Okay. And, like, that's why I it that's why me, I was having a hard time to understand, like... No, it took me, like, I was... We were reading this material for, like... I, I, went, I skipped ahead in my reading just so I could get it done a little quicker because we had to read a whole book. And um, I, I was reading this book for, like, three or four weeks, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> it, it was just... It's a lot to unpack because that word seems like it would be easy to understand but it's the ality part I think that's hard mm-hmm. because material is easy you can see material but materiality suddenly makes it a possibly dimensionless thing and you're like it doesn't see it seems to exist outside of reality in some ways because materiality involves culture it involves like some kind of context it involves an opinion and in a, it involves just like a person being there because can objects have materiality if a person's not there mm-hmm. I guess it can but it also it, but it involves interpretation yeah and does the tree have materiality if someone's not there I don't know I, I'm not equipped to answer that but it does seem to take us a, a, a someone who can think to be around to note the materiality which is interesting yeah Right, I have no idea, but I, I'm. This makes me my head spin. So I, I it feels like it feels like a brain game. You know what I mean? Like, cause like this does not affect the way that you engage. I guess it would affect the way that you engage with a tree, in the forest if you were pondering materiality or if you were thinking about like 
I was going to say, like, if you're thinking about the tree as lumber that you could then use to build something out of, then you are thinking about materiality, right? Yeah. Um, but you wouldn't know that you were if you didn't know the word materiality. You would just be thinking, like, of being resourceful. Yeah, that's why I'm, like, thinking about if our society didn't have the concept of materiality, which is, it seems like it could just mean quality in some context. So it seems like if anyone has an adjective in their language, they would have materiality on some surface level. Like, would that matter? Like, if you don't have, or you don't talk about it, and it's not that big of a deal, but it seems like it seems it's like everything we talk about like most people when they talk about things they compare it and the comparing it is based off of quality so isn't an it's isn't an inherent quality of being human is to notice materiality even if you don't know what the word means it's just like it's seeking out quality or comparing quality or understanding quality Hmm. and like material so it seems like anyone who can think or has the capacity to think. So maybe other animals have a notion of materiality. Some primates fish for termites. Mm-hmm. And so you need the right stick to do that. So that does a ha- that questions materiality too. So I'm not going to say it's like all only a human thing. It seems like it involves some thought, but it doesn't have to be human. Wow. Okay, so spiders um they will use rocks to counterweight their webs so that they can build webs between two branches. It's so cool it's like so intelligent so spiders are also thinking about materiality if you want to bother an anthropologist you could just ask do animals have culture and then the anthropologist will like flip the table and run away (laughs) but in this case thinking about the material of something and that could just be an aspect like a weight or a shape you are thinking about materiality maybe not in a direct way okay so then i have a question for you personally when you think how does that happen (laughs) Thinking about materiality? No, when you just think. Like, how do you experience thought? And we're out of time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening. (laughs) I have to run away and flip the table. (laughs) No, I have no idea. What do you mean? I don't know. Okay, for example, like, my uncle thinks in images, and, like, I sometimes think in thought, like, in words, in, like, sentences. Like, how do you, how do you think? Oh, me personally? Yeah. Oh, okay. (sighs) I was like, I don't know. That's why I said it was a personal question. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. I think it depends, because if I'm thinking about writing something, it's in words, but I think so much of what I think about is so hard to put down into words because it's mostly based off of images or emotion. Like, Mm. uh, Like, I really, especially when I was younger, when I wasn't as good at writing or, like, communicating as much it was mostly emotions like it was a feeling that I had and it was really hard to say what exactly I was thinking because it's in like it's like in colors and shapes and that's like what the feelings look like in my brain and then it's either in then images and so it's really hard to describe things maybe that's why I I went on to higher education or I like to I kept reading too Mm because it's nice to read something that someone was able to put into words that I could never put into words. It's really satisfying for me. So maybe that's why I like to read so much because it's like just a pursuit of me trying to communicate better Mm. of like what I'm thinking in my brain because like communicating with people feels so fundamentally like, right. If I'm, when I'm talking to you, it, it just feels like good and everything's good with the universe. And like, I feel listened to and I feel understood. And that's just a great feeling to have is to have like a friend to talk to. I love that.
glad because I, I feel the same way too. I'm like, oh, we finally get to have like a, this feels a lot more like a conversation that like is exploring like so many different ideas that I'm really excited to like think about and like wonder. And I'm glad I get to do this with you. Yeah. And I'm glad I'm a- we're able to share it with other people too. If anyone has these thoughts, it's, it's nice just to be a wallflower community. Yeah. I would, that's, I mean, that's what I would like to do. I would like to build a community of people who, who are wanting to contribute to this kind of conversation, thinking about like quality of life and like existence and through the lens of like things that we can study. Yeah. That would be awesome. If anyone wants to be on the show, please reach out through our Instagram or our um, email, I can add it to our show notes, because we just want to have conversations with people. That would be amazing. Yes. We're not picky. We just want some We're so picky, and you meet all of our criteria. That's exactly the way that I want to put that. But yes. Yeah. We're super exclusive, but if you, if you ask, email us, then that's exactly you on the show. <laughs> yes, but if you email us, <laughs> we, will, we will definitely find space and time, like clear our schedules for y'all. We'll flip the table so it's nice and clean for you. Yeah, I'll flip the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. This was a lot more conversational. If you have any opinions on that, like, let us know. And if you would actually give us a, well, only if you're going to give us five stars, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> yeah, gentle, constructive criticism is always welcome. Yeah, yeah, gentle, because we're sensitive. I'm super, yeah, touchy about criticism. I'm getting better, but... That's good. Yeah, any kind of suggestions or ideas, we're definitely willing to try or topic ideas. Like, I, I love to keep growing this podcast with you, so, and everybody. So, that would be awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, Bye. catch you next time.